We're going to talk in message number 12, rescue and restoration. So I hope you've enjoyed this 12-part series that we kind of walked through the book of James, talking about everyday believer stuff. James, he, he's, he's, a, he's a real practical guy. He's wanting us to know what it is to serve Christ. Now, now I want you to know when we were doing these teaching series, and I'll say this from time to time periodically, uh, I, I look at these teaching series like they're our green pastures, like we're walking in this journey of life and and we're walking together and, hey, we got a green pasture. We need to s- spend some time here eating as much grass as we possibly can. Let's find out what we need because the next leg of the journey, we're going to need whatever we're getting today, right? So, so while we're going through certain books of the Bible, certain topics, I encourage you to dig as deep as you possibly can. Uh, get other resources, maybe listen to some other messages, maybe get some accompanying books and things like that. Rereading the scripture over and over. Get as much as you can during this time. I believe the Lord bless it. Because, uh, you know, we, we've got to have something to counteract all the stuff in the world. We are every day we're walking, we're wading through a sewer of filth and lies and all kinds of sin in this world. It's just all over the place and it's getting more prominent as we speak. So our minds, our kids' minds are getting saturated with all sorts of filth. So what are we going to do? We're being bombarded with all these antichrist ideas and all this immorality. What are we going to do? Because if you do nothing, you become that. There's no doubt about it. So you've you got to counteract all of this and get your mind straight and learn to fill your mind with the Word of God as much as possible with every opportunity, every day. If not, you're going to come out smelling like the world, and that's not a good thing. Amen. All right, so today we're going to close out James. So, so Pastor James is helping us. He's, he's trying to teach us that faith works, that true faith is more than just a decision. It's more than just an intellectual assent. It's more than believing a particular creed. That true faith is more than just spiritual rituals. True faith is hearing the word and doing what God says, right? There's one phrase he uses called the royal law about loving your neighbor. He's teaching us the right way or the righteous way to live. Now, one of the key phrases that we've come across in James that just kind of summarizes his, his, his truth that he's getting to us in these five chapters the key phrase in James is faith without works is dead. Say it with me. Faith without works is dead because it's just alone. It's just by itself, he says. So, you know, that's, that's just common sense. I know theologians have wrestled with this idea of faith and works. I never have quite understood. It just, it just makes sense that if you believe in Jesus, that you're following him. Or at least attempting to follow him. At least there should be some, some shadows of the idea that you're following Jesus. I mean, don't you expect that when a person says that they're a Christian? Don't you expect some sort of idea that some sort of Christian values and Christian beliefs are in their lives? Now, nobody's perfect in it. There's no doubt about it. We're all growing. So when we encounter a person that's not looking like what they profess, then we get scratching our head. And that's what James is trying to help us with. If you had the right kind of faith, then it works out into your life. It works out into your life, right? Okay. All right. So now. In the last few verses we've covered in chapter 5, James has, has given us some prescriptions to follow. Remember he said, if you're going through a hard time, what did he say? If you're going through a hard time, you know what you need to do? I, I'm prescribing this. All right. Pray. Pray. I used to have, when, when I did a lot of counseling in my office in Georgia, I used to have a, a, a notepad. And I had it made up, had a heading on it, had my, my name on the top of it. And it's like a, a doctor's notepad kind of thing. And it was my prescription pad. And I would write down things just like that. And that's what James is doing. Just, this is what I need you to do. This is what's going to help you. 
So what's going to happen? You go catch it. You, you and Jesus get this done. Right? That's what James is saying. If you're going through a hard time, find some, some place. Get, get alone with God. Pray. Get him involved in the situation. You're going to see a difference. All right? And then he said, if things are going good, he said, I want you to do this. I, I want you to sing and I want you to praise. I want you to enjoy the moment and just enjoy it with God and sing and praise God. He said, if anyone's sick, he said, I want you to call for the elders of the church and get them to pray for them. Get them to anoint them with oil and, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And if you've got any sins, God will forgive him. Amen. So these important things. And he also says if there's a sin problem in somebody's life, he said you need to confess it. You need to come clean with God and maybe whoever else you need to talk to about it. But he said don't, don't just hold it in. He said get it out. Get it out. You got a sin problem? Get it out. Now I'm not recommending you necessarily do that in public. Don't put it on Facebook. Dear God. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we got to have more sense than that. You know. But if you've got a sin problem, find a place, find a, find a trusted believer, maybe a leader or something like that, somebody you trust and somebody you know that in confidence will help you get this thing right. Confess it. So he's given us these prescriptions. And he instructs us, he says, the, 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 the prayer of a righteous person is a powerful thing in the earth. It gets something done for God. It gets something done for people. Prayer is powerful. And so now he, he comes to these last two little verses. They're closing it out. Now, notice he doesn't close out with, like Paul always closes out his letters, just saying, hey, tell everybody I said hi. Uh, the girl at that house I met the other day, tell her yes. And, and Aunt Maggie, tell her a good thing. I, I'm glad I got to see her. You know, he ends it like that, kind of a salutation where he's saying all kinds of things. James just kind of goes to the point, says this is what I want you to do. This is what he closes out with, these two verses. He instructs us some very important stuff on how we should respond to people who are in our midst who fall into sin. Does that ever happen? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we know about some of it, but it's happening a lot around us. So let's see what verse 19 and 20 holds for us. James 5, 19 and 20. James says, brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Let's talk today about rescue and restoration. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help. We need your help. We're not that good at this, really. We need you to help us to learn to respond with the ability that you give us to help people out in some of their most crucial times, these turning points where they turn the wrong way and need to turn to right. Father, help us. Speak to us. Grace us with the strength to walk this out. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we got a scenario. 519 scenario. I, I kind of pictured it. This is just my goofy mind sometimes. I kind of pictured it like I was talking to my radio and how these cops do with the radio thing. I was talking about 519 occurring right here. 519. 519. Yeah, we got that going on. Somebody has wandered from the truth. I don't know why my mind goes like that, but it just does. Y'all, it's a, it's a circus in there sometimes. <laughs> Diedrich would like that, maybe. So we, someone has wandered from the truth. Someone is in trouble. Somebody has gotten off path. This idea of wandering is to go astray. And it, it kind of gives with the, the analogy Jesus always speaks about us, us being sheep and him being the shepherd. Now somebody has left the sight of the shepherd. They can't see him anymore. They've gone astray. They, they have somehow been deceived they somehow have been seduced, and you, the enemy is a great tempter. You know that. He knows what he's doing, and he knows how to play you like a deck of cards, I can promise you. 
And He seduces us into sin. He he causes us sometimes to wonder. And in this scenario right here, James says, somebody in your midst has wandered away from God. What do you do? In many years of pastoring, I've seen this scenario played out more times than I like to think about. In fact, there's an old song we sing. It said, my heart is prone to wonder, wonder from the God I love. Remember that old song? So, and even in my own life, I've seen this happen in my own life personally. I've fallen. And I've had to be rescued and restored. And thank God for Pastor Benny Tate. And I just celebrated my D23. I, I, I didn't broadcast this. This is my kind of personal day. But D23, that's the day that tornado hit me. D23. I, I remember it well. Picked up my little Dodge. Uh, it felt little. <laughs> it was a full-size truck, but it felt little. And all the windows got knocked out. And that was December 23rd. God got my attention and said, this is it, boy. I don't know, Jesus calls me boy sometimes. <laughs> it sounds a lot like what my daddy corrected me with. And when he says boy, he, he means it. It's serious, ain't it? So, so we, we go through these things and these, these pitfalls. They're all over the place. We slip and we fall. So what do you do? How do we respond? Now, now the person's got a responsibility that's in the, the, the deal. That's fallen into the pit. They've got a responsibility too. But he's not dealing with them so much as he's dealing with us and our response. So what do you do? Well, here's what some folks do. I, I don't really need to clarify this with you. You've all been in life long enough to know that when somebody gets something real good and juicy going on, the gossip lines get real hot, don't they? And the, the people start pointing fingers. They start. Some folks just like drama. You notice that? I mean, how in the world do you think Instagram and Facebook stay in business? And how do you think they're the biggest companies and the most, most wealthy companies in the whole world? How do you know? How, how, how do they get to be that? Because some folks, a lot of folks, most folks, almost all folks like it good and juicy. As long as it ain't them, it, they'll hang your dirty laundry out and they love it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> That's what some folks do. Not you, but some folks that ain't here this morning. We can talk about them, can't we? Some folks become real critical and judgmental. I have to fight that a lot. Cynicism, you know, you see things going the wrong way and it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to turn back right again. But, you know, I get real critical sometimes of other people that are falling into problems. And I forget the ditch and gutter I crawled out of. You know, how come it is we can remember everybody else's faults, but we got short-term memory on our own? We just do, don't we? That's a problem with it. So some become critical and judgmental. Most people separate and distance themselves from people in trouble. They just, when, sometimes we got our own drama going on, so we, we don't have much more to give. But most people, when they find out somebody's in trouble, they really don't really do nothing about it. Hmm. Ask me how I know that. Now, some folks even get a little bit more malicious. Some folks seek to finish off the sinner as if they're doing some great heroic thing for God. I believe we got a story about some guys picking up some rocks wanting to bury somebody in their sin. I believe we got a story that Jesus talked about. And some folks are just opportunists. And they seek to gain on somebody else's loss. And that's a tragic thing. Now there may be other things that, that happen when people respond in the negative way to somebody's sin. But all of the ones we've listed, all these responses have one thing in common. They are inspired by hell in one way or another. Remember, James has already talked about us having trouble with our tongue. And he said, it's set on fire. He said, when you get in that mode, it's set on fire by hell. 
Now, this is, this is something that happens. Some folks can get set on fire by hell and just make a, a bad situation even worse. But you, you remember them little bracelets we used to have back, we had them in the 90s and I think maybe early 2000s. We, we had them and said WWJD. Remember that kind of thing? What, what did it stand for? What would, old boy said, what would James do? <laughs> that old boy on the video the other day, he said, what would James do? That's a little different. But we, we, we said, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in a particular situation? It's a neat little focus. It's a neat little meditation time. You look down and you find yourself in a situation. Whoa, what would Jesus do? Let me check myself right here. All right. So, so what, what would Jesus do in a situation like what James is saying? This, this 519. <laughs> this 519 is happening right here. What would, what would Jesus do in a situation? Well, we don't have to speculate what would Jesus do because we see what Jesus did. He's got some real important things he's done. Now, didn't he tell us a story one time about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep? Ninety-nine of them were good. One of them went astray. One of them, to stay with our word, one of them wandered away. What did Jesus say that the good shepherd will do? He'll leave the ninety-nine and he'll go after the one who strayed. So he, Jesus is, he's, he's big on this. He's big on this going after people that go astray. Now, isn't there an encounter with a woman caught in adultery that Jesus has with this woman? I mean, caught in the very act. It's not good. It's a bad situation. And you know what? All the religious folks that went to church with her last week, you know what they did? We're looking for rocks. We're looking for stones. There's a lot more we could talk about all these stories. We're looking for stones. And Jesus looked at them and said something that made them choke. He said, let the one who has no sin throw the first rock. And then he's stooping down on the ground writing stuff. I'm going to ask him what he wrote when I get there. I speculated. I wonder what he wrote. I wonder if he wrote... If, he, if I'd have been there, if he'd have wrote my name, Ron, and put a line under it, and he started listing stuff I'd done. I don't know what he did. But we do have this passage in Jeremiah that says that, that God writes the names of his enemies in the dust. And maybe he began to write just the names of these men that were standing there with the rocks. And maybe they made, oh, you're saying I'm an enemy of God? Yeah. Hmm, maybe so. And what did Jesus say to her? Woman, where are your accusers. Neither do I condemn you. But the, the next advice is really important though. Go and stop this. Don't, don't keep doing this. It's going to kill you. Not only are they going to kill you, but this is going to kill you. Go and sin no more. Right? So we, we got that story. Jesus comes to the rescue to help this woman. Now what, what about some other things? What about Peter? Boy, Peter, we could spend all month talking about Peter. Peter, Peter, Big Peter, the disciple Peter, the apostle Peter, right? Peter denies Jesus three times, wanders away, and Jesus goes and gets him, doesn't he? Hmm. We spent some time on that story. I love that story. It's my favorite. You know why it's one of my favorites? <laughs> you know who Peter reminds me of there? You. No, I mean me. <laughs> no, it's us. We, we, we can really relate to Peter in these kind of things. Sometimes when the pressure hits, we, 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 it cuts the wrong way for us. Now, did, didn't Jesus tell my other favorite story? Didn't Jesus tell us in Luke 15 a story about a prodigal son? 
Then, then, so so we're, we're, we don't have to speculate. What would Jesus do in these situations? The prodigal son, he goes and he wastes everything. All the blessings the father had given him, the capital, all the resources. He wasted it all, just spent it on all kinds of wrong kind of living. And then he comes back home and God restores the boy. The father restores him. Gives him his ring back. Gives him his robe back. Throws a party for him. And you know what he says this about? In, in response to, to those three stories, the, the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then this lost son, he says, you know what? Every time a sinner comes back home and somebody finds a place of forgiveness with God, heaven throws a party. Amen. And no rocks in heaven. Not like that. Not for that purpose. So, so he, he's trying to get us in this mentality of, of rescuing people and restoring people, not being so critical. Now, we, right's right and wrong's wrong still. But rescue and restoration are our mission. That should always be our desire, right? Well, I got to thinking about this, this scenario. Why, why do people wander? Why do people wander away? What, what are some of your thoughts? Tell, talk to me. Why do you think? Why do people wander away from God? Why, why do they? They, they led astray. Sometimes somebody's influenced. Mm. Yeah, the enemy makes the world look real good, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And then he springs the trap. What else? Greed. Just different kinds of sins and things like that. Go after the wrong things. What else? Anybody else? Hmm. Sometimes it's, it's a narrow way, isn't it? Sometimes it's a more difficult path. It's going against the current. Of this world, it's, it's difficult sometimes, especially when it begins to hit with you professionally and things of that nature. It can get rough. Mm-hmm. I, I listed just a few things here. Y'all, y'all said some of them. Why do people wonder? Sometimes people get discouraged. That's a real thing, and it's happening by the droves right now because people are losing hope and having a, a good future. People get discouraged, and something bad happens in life. Maybe somebody passes. Maybe there's some kind of loss or pain of some kind, and man, your heart gets so heavy. And, and you, when, you know, when people get discouraged, they don't always necessarily just bolt out and run the other way. They just kind of just kind of drift, just kind of get distant. It's kind of like that thing you do at the beach, you know, when you, when you went down to, to Orange Beach and you got in on the raft and you went out there and, and, and you started right here and you, you laid back there and the sun just got soaking on you. You had your eyes closed, you dozed off, and then you get up and you wake up and your hotel's right down here. You thought it was right there, and next thing you know, you're half a mile down. What happened? Well, you just drifted with the current, right? That's what happens with people's faith. They get discouraged, and sometimes they just drift. Another, another idea is that you said this. They encounter a skeptic or an unbeliever who plants some kind of doubt in their minds. This is happening to our young people by the thousands right now. And if you hadn't learned higher education in this country, except for a, a few universities, higher education in this country is not about instructing. It's about destructing. It's about deconstructing. A worldview is about deconstructing us from the Bible. It's about deconstructing families. It's about deconstructing the American way of life and the history of our country. And they get in there and they deconstruct. It's a big thing going on. You, you've probably seen some things on the news about different artists and, and singers and, and maybe preachers and things like that. They said they're going through this deconstruction stage. 
Well, the devil done got you. And I'm all for tearing down things that don't need to be there. But when you get in that mode, you begin to tear down everything. So sometimes people encounter those kind of folks. Sometimes people get caught up in a false religion. Sometimes people get seduced by the tempter. He makes immorality look good. You know, he's a master at helping you see the bait and keeping you from seeing the hook. Isn't he a master at that? Mm-hmm. Sometimes personal failure. Sometimes when people fail, they, they give up. They just, ah, Sandy, you said it. It's just too hard. It's, it's hard. Jesus didn't say it's easy. Denying yourself, taking up your cross is not an easy thing. It's the best thing, but it's not an easy thing. And then there's persecution and peer pressure and all that kind of stuff that just cause, it causes people to wonder. And maybe there's, there's other reasons, but that, that helps us. So how can we help? That's what James is. How can we help? How can we help? James says this. He says, someone turns him back. Someone turns him back. What, what do you see in that picture right there? In that little phrase, someone turns him back. What do you see? How does that strike you? Some, somebody took an interest. What did you say, Gary? A, a, a believer, and it seemed like a good one, stepped up to the plate, didn't it? When somebody was in trouble, somebody helped. When someone turns him back. Now, have you ever encountered somebody who's going the wrong way and try to help them come back? Is that easy? Well, no, nah, usually not. Sometimes it can be very complex. And most often it takes a little bit of time. So the idea is somebody steps into their life. Maybe it's a relationship they had at a church. Maybe it's a relationship they had in a family or a friend or something like that. But somebody takes an interest and they help that person find their way back. They help them return. Now how can we do that? How can we do that? Just, just a few little things right here. That are really big. How, how can we help somebody who's in trouble like this? How can we help? Well, I think first of all, it starts by praying for them, right? You know what I've discovered about praying for somebody? It is absolutely impossible for me to stay mad at somebody that I'm praying for. It just don't work. Now, you may start mad, but as you keep praying for them, something in your heart changes, doesn't it? So it starts with praying for them because, because see, you, you've got to pray for them because... Your words are not going to be enough. There's going to have to be God help coming to that situation, to that person's heart. Because we're dealing with a person here. We're, we're not dealing with, with, with something that's, that's material or something that's real easy. A plus B equals C. We're dealing with people. And they're complex. And you're going to need God's help. You're going to need God's wisdom. You're going to need God's input. That's why we're praying for them. Because God, I, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You ever pray that kind of? I, I'll help however you want. But Lord, just help them get back right. I got several folks I'm praying that for right now. Starts with praying for them. Next thing, next idea is, is let them know how much you care. Let them know. Let them. Ah, well, they know we've been friends for a long time. No, they don't. I'm telling you, a person that's got their mind all tangled up in all of this, they lose sight of everything. Ask me how I know that too. 
Let, let them know you care and, and that you stand ready to help. Don't, don't be afraid to dive in. Don't be afraid. Well, what if they reject me? Well, what, what if? They, they likely will. I, I, traumatized people oftentimes reject help, push you aside. But I'm, I'm, I'm a big boy. It's hard to push me out the way. And I'm pretty hard-headed when I get on something. It's hard to push me out of the way. Be that kind of person. Be, 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 old Billy Sunday called the Holy Spirit the hound of heaven. You know why he called him the hound of heaven? Because once he gets on your trail, he ain't going to quit till he gets you. I know that for a fact. My mama taught me that. And if your mama's praying for you, you might as well go and get your life right now. <laughs> so don't be afraid to dive in. Let them know you care. What, what about their rep, your reputation being tied up with them? Well, what about Jesus' reputation being tied up with you? He didn't seem to have a problem with that, does he? In fact, it says that he made himself a no reputation. You know what that really means? He really did what God wanted to do, didn't care what everybody else thought. Well, that's a freeing thing, isn't it? Here, here's another idea. Reassure them that there is a way back home. Because when you're lost, you are lost. I mean, when you're real lost. I'm not talking about you just stepped off the path one, two steps. I'm talking about when you went out in left field somewhere. Reassure them that there is a way back home. Uh, let, let, me, let me say, I wish we could span the camera out there and see. But uh, how many people are on their second chance for about the 25th time? <laughs> yes, sirree. We say he's the God of a second chance, but he's the God of another chance is what I found out to be, you know. So how, how can you reassure them there's a way back home? Tell them your story. Everybody in here has got a I, I came back home story, I can promise you. I wandered from the God I loved. I wandered, I went off and did my own thing. I did this and that and the other. Everybody's got a story to tell and they may need to hear yours, at least parts of it. Share with, take them, take them, my favorite place when I find somebody in this is to, I take them straight to Luke 15 and that's the story of the prodigal son. It's a great story. Hmm. Know this, that love is more important than anything. Love is more important than your instruction. We're going to give that to Love is more important than anything. There's something supernatural about love coming from the heart of a believer because, see, that's not just normal love. That's not just human love. That's a love mixed with God's love. There's something supernatural that works when God's love mixes with your love. A miracle begins to happen in a person's life. You know that? I, I'm here because somebody loved me. I know, I know Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me so. But sometimes I need love with somebody with skin pulled over them to say, man, you know what? I'm with you, brother. We need that, don't we? So love is more important than anything. Because it seasons us. It seasons our words. It seasons our attitudes. It seasons our actions towards people. So speak the truth in love. And we still got to talk truth. But it tastes a lot better when it's mixed with love or seasoned with love. Speak the truth in love. And lead them back to Jesus. Do what you can to lead them back to Jesus. Bring Jesus into the conversation. Bring him there. The psalmist said this. He said, when my heart is overwhelmed, and I guarantee a person who's wandered away from God, their heart's way overwhelmed. They don't have a clue what they're doing. He said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock 
that is higher than I. Somebody take me by the hand and lead me back to that rock, that stable place where I know God is. Lead them back to Jesus. Now, let's wrap it up with going into Galatians 6. I won't spend too much time here. There's a world of stuff here. And it's really been a focus of my life. Taught it many, many times throughout the years. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Paul helps us. He gives us some instruction along this same line. Okay? Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says this. All right? We got another, we got another 519 right here, right? <laughs> if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, take note of that word now. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Well, that's an important word right there. Considering yourself, okay, lest you also be tempted. You know how you are. <laughs> you know, consider yourself. You know, I got a smart me and a dumb me. <laughs> Anybody got them two people? Smart me, yeah, I know what to do. Dumb me, uh-oh. <laughs> so think about dumb you, because dumb you gets you in a lot of trouble. Anyway. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Just real quick on this. Spiritual. You who are spiritual, restore such a one. What does it mean to be spiritual? What does that mean? What does it mean to be a spiritual person? That means you come to church every Sunday? Uh, In touch with God, who is spirit, right? Spiritual person is somebody who may be filled with the spirit, we could say. Has the Holy Spirit and operates in the Holy Spirit, seeks to be led by the spirit. Right? So now, now, it's a little difficult to, to define sometimes what a spiritual person is because it, it's, a, it's a supernatural thing. It's, it's a life that's in them that exudes from them. It's the life of God. But what, what about the opposite? What, what's the opposite of somebody who's spiritual? What's, what's the other idea? If you're not spiritual. You be, some folks are not full of, God, full of the Holy Spirit. Some folks are full of the devil, ain't they? Uh, or, or the scripture uses a word called carnal, like a carnal or worldly type believer, a person who, who is snuggled up with the world, kind of doing the worldly thing. Right? That's, that's, that would be the opposite of a spiritual person. So now, these scenarios come in our midst and they expose spiritual maturity. Or immaturity, however you want to look at it. Because immature folks love the drama, they love the gossip. Spiritual folks are looking to see how they can help. That's what Paul's saying, all right? Now, spiritual people are still tough on sin. They're still straightforward about right and wrong. But they got a different idea in mind for the person who's gone astray, all right? All right, so now, he says, when, when you're going to minister to somebody like this, now James is helping us out because this, this is coming close to a town near you. I promise you. He says, restore that person in a spirit of gentleness. Why is gentleness so important? Hmm. What, what is it, first of all? What, what, is it, what does it mean to be gentle? What, what would be the opposite of it? Somebody's angry and bitter, that would be tough. Rough, somebody said rough over here. Somebody's rough. You ever, you ever been to a, a, a doctor or nurse and, you know, they may have been having a bad day or something? <laughs> and they're just a little rough. Maybe in their personality. I, I, growing up, I, I, uh, 
I broke a lot of bones playing sports and I was rough and I don't know but one speed when I play ball or something I just know wide open and they got the ball and I want the ball and I'm gonna get the ball that's all I know <laughs> that's all I know I'm, I'm, I'm winning whatever it takes if I got to run through the fence run through you it don't make no difference we're going we're gonna to get this thing done. I'm going to win, and I'm going to prove it to you. And I may not have but three teeth left in my head, but I got a trophy. <laughs> that's, my, that's been my whole life. You understand what I'm talking about? I, and I, I went through all kinds of situations. I've broken wrists, ankles. Thank God I never blew up my knees. But I've gone through all kinds of stuff. And I have been to doctors. I remember one in particular. I broke, I broke this wrist, and he was having to reset one of these bones right here. And, man, he grabbed me and... <laughs> like good lord man if i was bigger i would hurt you with his other hand you know that kind of thing but then one day i, I met a doctor he became my orthopedic i was about 14 when he became my orthopedic i, I was that guy i needed an orthopedic <laughs> an orthopedic doctor he became my doctor he was dr ragsdale i remember his it's funny all these years i remember his name to this day he saw me several several times dr ragsdale he he had the touch the bedside manner and just the way to help somebody who was in need. You'd come to him and, I mean, he, he knew me personally. I mean, he, he'd sent me cards and Christmas cards and stuff. <laughs> For real, he did. But I've, I've had, had the other and then, then I had Dr. Ragsdale. I know what it is for somebody to approach you when you're in pain with the spirit of gentleness. That's what people need. Now, sometimes... We struggle with that. We struggle with being kind in a bad situation, especially when somebody's done something real stupid. And maybe especially if it costs me. We have a hard time being tender. We have a hard time acting like we care. But see, gentleness is, is this unique thing in, in this kind of situation. It's, it's humility mixed with love. Hmm. And here's the thought. Go back to my scripture couple slides back, Jonathan. There you go. Here's, here's the thought that will help you be more gentle and more merciful next time you encounter somebody. This is thought. We, we kind of played with it a second ago. Consider yourself lest you also be tempted. Somebody interpret that for me. What's he saying? Ooh, really? But I just said I would never do that. Them famous last words, aren't they? Mm -hmm. he, he says right here, consider yourself lest you also be tempted. It's a checkpoint right there. Be careful because you are quite capable. I don't care who you are, how long you've been in church. You get off in the flesh somewhere and you or I are quite capable of committing any sins listed in the Ten Commandments of thou shalt not. You understand that? And he says, just check yourself at the door right now. Don't get all high and mighty. Don't hover over them like you're better than them. Don't speak all high and holy to them. Stop scolding. How about a, I kind of understand. Because you've been through enough, hopefully in your BC days, but probably in your since Jesus days, to know that that could happen to anybody. You see what I'm talking about? Then he says, bear one another's burdens. Help, help them carry it. You know, sin's a heavy thing. It's awful. It's terrible. It destroys people's lives. 
relationships, futures, hope, all kinds of things, their psyche, everything. It destroys their soul. It just it eats them up. And it carries the penalty of death and things start to die around them. You know, relationships start to die. Opportunities start to die. It's a, it's a terrible thing. And, and, and Paul says right here, I want you to step into that situation. I want you to help them pick up that burden of all that pain and all that loss and all that nonsense and all that shame and all that guilt and all that chaos. I want you to get in there. All that disappointment, I want you to get in there and I want you to put your shoulder to that and I want you to help them carry it. Now, where in the world are we carrying it? Because I ain't carrying it to my house. I don't want none of that. Where are we carrying it? We're going to carry it to Jesus, aren't we? We're going to carry it to the cross where a man who has nail-pierced feet, we're going to lay him right there because he paid a price for this. We don't have to carry it very long. We don't have to carry it no more than we have to. I'm going to help you get this to Jesus because he will be our beast of burden. He said to cast it on him and he'll take it away. That's what we're doing now, see? And he said, if you do this, you fulfill the law of Christ. That, that ought to be in our hearts to, to want to do that. Because, see, we're most like Jesus when we, as believers, when we rescue and help restore people. Hmm. All right, close it out with this. Verse 20. He says, so let, let them know. So I got to let you know this. James said, let, let them know. So I got to let you know that the one who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And brothers and sisters, that's a holy thing right there. That is a great thing where a believer steps into an unholy situation to bring about God's holiness. It's important. So we're going to partner with Jesus. Because see, Jesus died for all this to happen. He gave his life for all this to happen. So we're going to partner with him. Or are we going to partner with the enemy that wants to see them buried under a pile of rocks, dead and gone forever? You know what I'm talking about? Hmm. So, Lord, help us. Hmm. We need a lot of help in this area. Lord, we want this family to be known as a family that helps people. We want this place to be known as a hospital. People in trouble, they're in need. They got pain, they got loss. They got sin, they got guilt. They can come to people like us who've been there, done that. But not just that, we've tasted something else. So Lord, help us to be this kind of people. Just put this in our everyday life that this just kind of becomes second nature to us. Holy Spirit, we're going to need you to fill us. We're going to need you to help us. And oh Lord, forgive us where we've fallen. We've fallen into the traps of yeah, yeah, and all the mess that we stirred up. Forgive us for failing the law of Christ in this. Heads bowed and eyes closed. For those here, those maybe watching us, listening to us in other ways, other media. 
I want to assure you that there's a way back home. If you are far from God, there is a way back home. There's a path back home. There are people that will help walk with you. But you've got to come. You've got to be the one to take the first step and come. Jesus paid the ultimate price so that you could find life. You could find forgiveness. You could find health and healing. If you're here this morning, you're listening to me on Facebook, whatever, you need prayer. If you're online, drop us a line. Let us know. We'd love to pray for you. If you're here in the building this morning, you say, hey, Pastor, I'm, I'm far from God. I, I need help. I, I, I need God. I need help. Anybody across the building say, Pastor, will you just please pray for me? Anybody? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Amen. So, Lord, I thank you for those that have raised their hands, maybe some that, that didn't, but, Lord, they're, they're actively wanting to get back. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just come upon them, Lord, and just let them know how much you care, how much you love, how much you just not just love, but you love them. Wherever there's forgiveness that's needed, Father, we, in the name of Jesus, we just say that your sins are forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we have a way, but it's not by mistake. You paid that way. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.